Hey, what's going on, all you fiction peddlers out there? Today's show is brought to you by our newest sponsor, helping you dip your toe into the cryptocurrency market via Bitcoin, via the CoinBits app. Now, this is an app that you need to use on your laptop or your desktop computer. They're working on a phone app as we speak. But basically what they do is they round up all of the change from your purchases. You know, when you have a purchase that comes to $25.25, they take that $0.75, round it up to the nearest dollar, and invest that $0.75 in Bitcoin for you weekly. Now, this allows you to dollar cost average your way into your Bitcoin position and start um, acquiring some Bitcoins with your spare change gradually over time to sort of mitigate some of the risk and take away a lot of the uh, problems with investing, you know, trying to time the market, figuring out how much to invest and when to invest it and things like that. Now, you guys know my feelings on Bitcoin, but you also know that I am a proponent of a well-diversified portfolio. So if your portfolio is in need of some exposure to cryptocurrency, this could be a great way for you to dip your toe into that arena and start building out uh, that portion of your portfolio. Now, obviously, the obligatory disclaimer here is that I am not in any way, shape, or form authorized or qualified to give you investment advice. That's not what I do here with the show. All I am doing is letting you know that there is this CoinBits app that you can use to invest in cryptocurrency, invest in Bitcoin, should you want to. And obviously, you should never invest more than you are willing to lose. Assume that Bitcoin will go to zero and you will lose it all just to be on the safe side. But if this is something that interests you, go to thecoinbitsapp.com slash fiction so they know I sent you and you can set up your account. It takes a couple of minutes and you can start investing that spare change from all your credit card purchases that you're making while you're sitting around your, your house on lockdown and start investing gradually into Bitcoin today. All right, let's start the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, the purveyor of PeddlingFictionPodcast.com, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's doing well today. I know I'm a little late getting the episode out this week. 
I, uh, of course, have extenuating circumstances and excuses that I could go into, but who wants to hear those at this point, right? I am back, back in studio in good old Cinco Bueno's third bedroom, which actually was supposed to be like a utility room, a storage room and everything like that. I'm sitting next to a, a washer and dryer and a bunch of tools, a ladder and all kinds of shit, but we threw a nice bed in here and it's got no windows, so it's kind of like a... A dungeon you can sleep in late into the day. If you uh, tied one off last night and you have to uh, recuperate, it's nice because it doesn't get any sunlight. But um, the other the other plus side to not having any windows or anything like that is the sound. I think is a little better. So this is probably as good as I can get it to sound out here, deep behind enemy lines in the beautiful sunny Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Well, it happened. I saw the. Possibly the dumbest thing I've seen in this whole pandemic COVID craziness. And that is really saying something. You know, I was walking the beach earlier today. You know, I, I usually get my cardio in with a nice beach walk from, from rock to rock, one end to the other. It takes about an hour. And it's a nice way to take a little break and get away from things, listen to a podcast or some music or something, get a little exercise. I'm walking down, you know, sometimes you see a a girl from behind. And you're like, oh, there's a there's a good looking girl down there. And I'm walking closer and closer. And then, of course, she she turns around and I see she has a mask on. It's like, oh, she's retarded. <laughs> but this one, this one took it to an entire new level. When I got closer, I realized that they were hooking her up to a harness for one of these parasailing tours that they do on the beach you know all up and down the beach they have these like these boats from like 19 fucking 65 that pull people around and they they hook you up to a parachute and you launch from the beach and then you you go up you know a hundred feet in the air or something like that and they take you around uh you know about 15 minutes up and down the bay and they bring you back and land you on the beach so she's going parasailing she had a mask on to go parasailing now Bear in mind, there's nobody else hooked up to this harness. She is literally going to be hundreds of feet up in the air above everybody else in over the ocean. Nobody around her for hundreds and hundreds of meters, right? Got her mask on. Had the mask. And I was like, maybe she just has it on because this guy's hooking her up to the harness and she didn't want him breathing all over her or whatever. And she's going to take it off before they launch. So I stopped my beach walk and I watched her launch and she kept that fucking mask on the entire time to go parasailing by herself, hundreds of feet up into the air, nobody around, get a mask up, doing the Lord's work, this this lady. Oh, unbelievable. Anyway, for all you listeners out there who are not part of our Friday night happy hour crew, man, you missed a good one. Had a nice sunset, threw back quite a few uh, cocktails and even had some uh, special brownies delivered in the middle of it. So we went for, man, I think we went for about three hours. And uh, the only reason we stopped was because I had to, I had to go out for the night. But um, we had a, had a really good time. You guys are really missing out if you're not a, a part of that crew. And for those of you not familiar with what I'm talking about, it's a, uh, a happy hour that we do every other Friday from, um, uh, well, uh, now that uh, the U.S. had daylight savings time, I'm, out, I'm an hour behind the central standard time that I used to be in lockstep with. So it's 6.15 my time, but 7.15 central standard time 
and we get together with some of the the supporting listeners of the show and just shoot the breeze, talk about whatever's going on in our lives, libertarian stuff, non-libertarian stuff, have a couple drinks, some laughs, you know, have a good time and watch the sunset from my balcony here in Puerto Vallarta. And if you want to become a a member of that group, all you have to do is go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and click on the support the show link there, the tab there, and set up a recurring monthly donation. And once you do that, you will be automatically uh, invited to the next happy hour. And as long as you keep those uh, donations flowing in, I will make sure that I have the the whiskey flowing to uh, keep you company every other Friday for a few hours. And it's really a lot of fun. We're we're building a nice little community here, and it's uh, it's something that I I look forward to doing every other week. And um, hopefully, more of you guys will get involved and join us because the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. Had a great ratio too, as far as libertarian circles go. We were almost a fifty fifty, male to female, which as uh, as you guys know is one of the things that I'm trying to. Uh, one of the problems with libertarianism is that I'm trying to solve is to get more women involved in it. I think, you know, most podcasts, most libertarian podcast audience is like ni- at least 90% male. And um, if not worse than that, I think I'm a little better than that, but not much, you know, maybe 87% or something like that. And there's a lot of great female libertarians. I love to get their perspective on things. And I I don't know if it's, you know, the messaging or whatever, but we got to figure out how to get more women involved. If we're ever going to have a big movement here, you know, you guys are most of my listeners have come over from the uh, from hearing my ads on the part of the problem with Dave Smith who is uh, just, you know, what can you say about Dave Smith that hasn't already been said? He's the most consistent motherfucker, you know, the libertarian Tupac. And he just has a great show. And he's been doing a lot of work with, uh, you know, trying to uh, work within the libertarian party to sort of bring more people into the the Mises caucus and, and sort of take over the party. And at the same time, bring unity to the party as well. Which I, I think is a great is a great goal, a great mission that he's on, and I I support everything that he does. But the other thing that I think we need to focus on is is how to get some uh, some more women in here because it, it can't just be a party of um you know ninety percent white males from the ages of twenty five to forty eight or whatever the major demographic is, um even just just from the optics of it you know especially today's day and age where everything is fucking hyper racialized and you know it's just like oh you guys are white supremacists look you're 90 percent white male you know patriarchy white supremacists racist blah 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 they'll write us off immediately but if we're successful in sort of merging with uh you know dave smith wants to, to bring in the the hotep jesus nation we bring them in you know we got maj Teray and those guys and then we bring in a a, a bunch of women well, then they at least we take that fucking retarded argument off the table, and they can't just write us off for being a bunch of uh, autistic, you know, weird white guys that live in their parents' basement. Uh, anyway, I forgot where I was going with that, but so yeah, we got some we got some great ladies in the in the uh, happy hour group that I love to see. So for all of you uh, you fellas out there, I can at least. Um, <laughs> 
All of you uh, weird autistic libertarians living in your parents' basement, you want to have a drink with a, a couple of nice ladies, join the happy hour group. I can hook you up. That's how dating happens now anyways, right, in the U.S.? It's all done virtually, like on... Uh, <laughs> Like in Demolition Man, where they sit in like separate fucking areas and put on a, a virtual reality helmet. That's probably where we're going with all of this. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have, I know I have the coolest libertarian listeners. I'm very, uh, you can tell by the numbers, I'm very selective about who I allow to listen to the podcast. Very selective over here at Peddling Fiction. Um, speaking of, you know, racializing everything and jumping to conclusions, we did have. A um, another mass shooting the other day. I think it was the day before yesterday, where some guy went into a Boulder grocery store and, and shot a bunch of people. I think he killed ten people, including a police officer. You know, it, it was weird. It's almost like for a year we forgot that we could just go into places and shoot a bunch of people because we haven't had any of these mass shootings for a really long time. Well, part of that's probably because the fucking literal prisons that we're putting kids into for, um, you know, nine hours a day or whatever the hell it is, uh, five days a week, those have all been closed and and people haven't been gathering as much. So it's uh, I guess it's taken a, a, a bite out of all of these mass shootings we've been having. But of course, you know, in true typical liberal fashion, all of these anti-gun, anti-white male people come right, jumping right out of the woodwork, you know, to conclusions. Oh, well, mass shooting. Let me guess. It was a white guy. You know, he's a white supremacist and he's a racist. And when are we going to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? The odds are, if it's a mass shooting, that eh, it's a pretty good chance it's going to be some fucking weird white dude possibly fucking mentally ill, hell-bent on some retarded cause, right, that, that goes into a, a building and shoots up a bunch of people. Unfortunately for their narrative, this time it turned out to be a, a Muslim guy. And so there's a bunch of, you know, blue checkmark Twitter that had to um, do a, a quick 180 there after... You know, um, their initial tweets about how white people, you know, white males are, you know, the worst thing ever. And then, of course, once it comes out that uh, it turns out he was Muslim and they can't blame it on white supremacy or, or racism or anything like that, at least not the racism that they like to blame everything on right the white people being racist against others and then you know the the narrative changes immediately I'm, I'm sure you know i'm not watching a lot of u.s news these days but i am sure that the uh the news cycle for this shooting was if it's not over already was over super quick after it became a fucking muslim thing and not a, a white supremacist let's show everybody how racist white people are kind of thing and then you just get to see all of these people on Twitter trying to fucking, you know, dance their way out of their initial jump to conclusion. And uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're having hearings uh, about, you know, more gun legislation. Look, these things, I, I don't understand. Maybe somebody can enlighten me as to what, what people are thinking when it comes to so-called common sense gun control, right? Like, what... <laughs> What do you hope to accomplish with this? Because, you know, it, it's like with the gun-free zones, you know? You put up a fucking sign that's, that, you know, it's like a no-smoking sign, but it just says, hey, this is a gun-free zone. And they've got a picture of a gun with a big, you know, red circle with a, 
a slash through it. Like, you can't bring your gun in here. That's against the rules. It's like, uh, okay, but I'm planning on killing a bunch of people. Like, you really think that I'm concerned about, you know, carrying my gun into a no-no zone when I'm about to fucking kill a bunch of people? I don't think so. You think I'm really concerned about your gun laws when I'm going to go kill a bunch of people? I don't think so. Like, um, criminals, are, what makes criminals criminals is they break all the fucking laws that you write. Okay, right? I mean, so if we're, we're passing gun legislation to make it illegal for me to own a certain type of gun or a certain sized magazine or whatever, um, I'm a criminal. I break the laws. And if, if I'm going to kill people, uh, your fucking gun law is not, you know, breaking the gun law is not as severe as breaking the murder law. So what are we doing here? What are we hoping to accomplish? Why am I going to abide by the gun law, but not abide by the murder law? I mean, how, how do people fucking think this is going to work? What are you thinking? All you're doing is disarming law-abiding citizens who could be uh, potentially put down one of these shooters before things get really out of hand, like we saw in that church, uh, was it last year or the year before? Um, I don't know, the whole COVID time frame thing, everything is just, I, I don't know, I, I've, I've lost track of the years, I guess, it just seems like one blob of time. But that guy, you know, he shot like one or two one person in the church, I think, maybe two before this guy who was concealed carrying in the fucking church put him down. I mean, that would he could have gone on for fucking 10, 15, 20 minutes if he wanted to until he ran out of ammo. Gun-free zone signs and murder laws, be damned. <laughs> I mean, it like, why don't we just ban murder, right? I mean, if we ban murder and we make it illegal to murder people, well, then all the murder will go away. And who could be against banning murder? I mean, that'd be much easier than trying to get some gun legislation passed, wouldn't it? If we're, you know, all these gun nuts that cling to their guns and their Bibles. Well, they, they're not a, they, you know, they're anti-murder. Everyone's against murder. So let's just ban murder. And then that'll fall under the blanket of gun control. I mean, obviously, I'm being facetious here. But I mean, laws don't fucking stop people from breaking them. This is just so silly to me, and I don't understand why people get this false sense of security from knowing that people like are restricted from getting guns. Like I have several firearms, right? Like none of my friend, like a lot of my friends, would support so-called common sense gun control laws, right? But they're also not worried about me walking into a fucking Walmart and shooting a bunch of people. Because I'm never going to do that. Like, I get that it's uh, emotionally appealing, and it might make you feel good, like you have some sort of control over what can happen and when it can happen. If every time something like this happens, like, well, somebody should do something, and we should pass a law, and we should do this, and we should do that. And it kind of makes you feel like you're in control of things, and that you can actually do something to solve these problems, when in reality... Things like this are going to happen, regardless of all the laws that you pass and, and the legislation and the gun control stuff and make everything illegal. They'll, people are still going to kill people. That's in our, it's human nature, unfortunately, as, uh, as unfortunate as that is and as scary as that sounds. You really can't um, control this sort of thing. If, if somebody is determined to kill people, 
no amount of laws or police protection or anything like that can stop them. If they're willing to die for their cause, you, you can't stop. Like, you can get to anybody. A- ask anyone that works, like, security or, or um, has been on protection detail or something like that. If you want to get to somebody, if you want to get to people and you are willing to die for your cause, there's really not a whole lot we can do to stop you. And luckily, uh, these things, while they make headlines and they seem like they're very frequent, they are very rare. So I guess we have that going for us. Um, And we should not be the last fucking thing we want is for pussy politicians to jump on these tragedies and get um, and and play on our emotions to get legislation passed that's not going to solve the problem that they're purporting to solve. And it's going to hurt far more Americans than it's going actually going to help in the long run. And, you know, one of the things I talked about with Dan from uh, Blue Star Union, is that what it's called? God, my, my brain is just not functioning great today. But that was the, we were talking about the Second Amendment. And, you know, I'm from Chicago. People that know the Chicagoland area, they know where the most dangerous areas are. And it's not in the the white neighborhood. Like this gun control thing, the the neighborhoods that are at the most risk of gun violence are the black and uh, Hispanic neighborhoods. Predominantly, like where in in these poor neighborhoods where the police won't go in there anymore, like they're just not going to mess with it, and so they're riddled with gang activity. These these poor you know minorities, they don't have a fucking chance, uh, a prayer in hell that police are going to come protect them if something goes down. They need to protect themselves. You know, when I took my concealed carry class, it was mostly black people in there. I think there were a bunch of black people, like a bunch of black chicks. You know, like the guns are the great equalizer. And you have to be able to protect yourself. I'm I'm sorry, like the, these these um common sense gun reform, they're they're gonna hurt the the poor minorities the worst. And who do you think is gonna go to jail for all of these uh you know gun law and infractions too? You know if, if you get caught with a an illegal gun or too many bullets or something, who do you think is gonna be doing the fucking twenty five to life sentence? It's not gonna be some rich white dude. It's going to be some poor minority that can't afford a lawyer that just wanted to protect himself or protect his family um, or, you know, herself or her family from all the gang violence that the police are doing nothing to stop. In fact, they're exacerbating it with the drug war. I mean, this is like, I, I don't know, maybe that's the tact we need to take with this because, you, you know, uh, it, it seems to be a very left leaning agenda to to curb gun ownership in America. You know, I, I saw somebody else tweeting about it. It's like, oh, if all these black people arm like bought a bunch of rifles and carry them around like these, you know, these white white folk do, they all these Republicans would want to be banning guns uh, immediately, uh, banning minorities from having guns. I don't think so, man. I, I don't think anything could be further from the truth. They would see you as a brother in arms, and they welcome it. They want everybody to have uh, to the ability to protect themselves, the ability to uh, arm themselves. An armed society is a polite society. It's just such a a bad take on the on the state of of America like that Republicans don't want black people to have guns. Um, you know, that's one thing that they can bond over, if anything, you know, it's like a, a black lefty and a, a right Republican can agree on at least one thing that they should, they should be able to buy any gun that they want whenever they want to protect themselves. Anyway, it's just, it just seems so misguided to me. 
And it's it, and just like everything else, all of these laws that, that they're going to pass, any regulations they come up with, they're going to hurt the very people that they're um, that they set out to help. Now, whether or not that's intentional or unintentional is irrelevant to me at this point. You know, it's it is what it is. And it just it's always the case. And I'm going to go into more throughout this episode of these these backward unintended consequences, if you want to call them that, because the uh, the the rich rich whitey, you know, he's going to be able to hire a private security force if he has to, or find some way to buy what he needs to buy to get around all of these laws and everything like that. The poor minorities, they're not going to be able to do that. They're they're stuck in the hood, riddled with gang violence. No cops for miles. No cops willing to go into that those environments to try to protect them. They're they're hung out to dry. They're left to fend for themselves, and now you want to take away their one ability to do so. Great, great plan, guys. Great plan. And then, of course, you have the whole cop aspect of this, right? You know what all those riots were about: police brutality. All cops are bastards. You know what's uh, what's your best defense against an abusive police force? Well, it's being armed. You know. Look at what happens uh, at a protest when nobody's armed, what the police do, versus what they do to these protests where it's a bunch of fucking armed militias walking around. And that's really why we have the Second Amendment. It's not, it's not just so that you can protect yourself against other violent Americans. It's so that we can fucking take up arms against the tyrannical government. I mean, who knows what, what's going to happen with uh, the, the people versus this government somewhere down the line where, you know, they've they've taken the, the, the steps to keep us locked down indefinitely and all, all sorts of totalitarian, authoritarian things that they're doing to us. Like, we're, we're, we might need these guns. Um, oh, which reminds me, you know, um, I, I saw a story today about Germany, Angela Merkel, right? She's the, the chancellor uh, of Germany, I believe. And speaking of draconian lockdowns, what the what this uh, German chancellor was going to do was force everybody in Germany to lock down for Easter, like a five day real uh, oppressive lockdown because, you know, COVID. Right. And uh, people could get sick. And so they planned restrictions that that prohibited private gatherings of more than five adults from two different households, required Easter services at German churches to be conducted virtually they were going to close uh, lo- all local businesses, even supermarkets were going to have to limit their operations. And this pissed off a lot of fucking Germans. And there was a, a massive public backlash to this. The, the people rose up and said, fuck that. We're not doing this. We're celebrating Easter. We're going to live our lives. And in uh, a very rare, refreshing case, Angela Merkel capitulates. She says, I take full responsibility for this judgment. I am not going to, I'm going to drop the five-day lockdown. And it looks like a lot of it came from um, like the churches, right? The clergymen and everything. You know, you don't want to piss off the, the, the religious folk, right? Because um, they, they are true believers. And that's, you know, that's one of the, the, um, one of the constant sort of battles that goes on for the, uh, for the human spirit or the brain or whatever you want to call it right is the 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 church versus the state 
You know, it's like if you are a, a true believer and and you think that there's a higher power, well, then you're, you're not swearing allegiance to the state. You know, you think that there's something more important than uh, your wise overlords in Washington or wherever, you know, Berlin. And, and that's a problem for government because they want to make themselves out to be the deities, right? The religion of the state. You must, you know, uh, pledge allegiance to them, bow down to them, not this other God that you're serving. And so there's always this struggle between church and state. Man, uh, Angela Merkel wanted nothing to do with it. And it, it just goes to show you that, you know, you have to stand up and fucking fight these these pussy politicians and they are i mean i i say pussy politicians and i know like you know my my uh my mom doesn't want me to swear like this on the show and everything like that and i'm sorry if you have kids and um you're trying to listen to this with them in the room but they are fucking pussies okay they are spineless jellyfish cowards okay and when i say fight like we don't have to physically fight them we don't have we you know, there were no shots fired here. They don't have, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, arsenal at, at their uh, disposal. But a politician's biggest fear is the mob, right? They fear the people coming after them, Gaddafi style. But we don't have to do that, right? All we have to do is call their bluff, know that they are pussy politicians, and all we have to do is live our lives the way that we want to, all at the same time, in unison. That's it. That's all we have to do. Call their bluff. Make them try to enforce these draconian measures on us. Yeah, sure, you know, they can do it to a couple stragglers, you know, the one-off people that are resisting on their own, you know, the guy that goes to the park to play catch with his son or something like that. It's easy for them to come down with the, you know, the the long arm of the law on one poor motherfucker that, that gets uh, made an example of. But there's no goddamn way they're going to battle 300 million Americans simultaneously. There's just no way because, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's why they come so come down so hard on the people that stray from the herd, right? It's easy for them to make an example of them. And that scares the rest of the herd into falling in line, right? But if the whole herd veers off course and we go our own way and we stop being these fucking sheep that politicians can herd into the fucking slaughterhouse, there's nothing they can do to stop us. They can't. You know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, they want to avoid armed conflict with people at all costs, right? But, but going after everyone like that, if everybody, you know, breaks the rules at the same time and they try to come hard down on like 250 million Americans just living their lives peacefully, that's going to bring about the very conflict that they're trying to avoid. And if they bring that about, this whole illusion of the government working for you and of the people, by the people, all that bullshit, that all goes out the window. And that illusion, that propaganda is really the only way that they can control us. That's it. That's what they use to keep us in line. That and making an example of the, you know, the, the few of us that are brave enough to break from the herd before it becomes socially acceptable. You know, here in Mexico, I, I think this was uh, maybe a year or so ago, there was a, a big, um, I guess you'd call it like a dick measuring contest between the cartel and 
the uh, federal government here in uh, Mexico. And what happened was like, uh, you know, the government came out and they were bloviating about how, you know, they're not going to take shit from the cartel and how tough they were, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the cartel gets their shit together and they had like, they put together like a 10 minute video of them just like all these fucking foot soldiers with tanks and fucking, you know, pickup trucks with 50 cals on the back and shit like that, just rolling down the street to sort of flex. You be like, okay, you're going to come at it. Like, look, look what we, look what we got here. Like, we got all this shit. You really want to fucking throw down? And what happened was the government backed down. The, the pussy politicians back down. And it's not like the, you know, the entire Mexican military couldn't take down the cartel. They probably could. But you see this illusion that the government is, you know, here to protect you and that they care about the people and all that shit. You and I know that that's fucking bullshit. And that's why we're libertarians and maybe anarchists. But you see, most people still believe that. And nothing would shatter that illusion quicker than an armed conflict, the government versus the people. And the government's, you know, coming down and and breaking down people's doors and shooting people and arresting people because they wanted to get together with their family to celebrate Easter. So they can't fucking force us to do this stuff. We just have to have the balls to say, no, 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 you're a pussy politician and I get to do whatever the fuck I want, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else or infringing on their natural rights and property and everything like that. You see, that, that's what's so beautiful about the libertarian philosophy and the non-aggression principle. And that's why we have to get this message out to people, this message of liberty, of personal responsibility, of property rights and non-aggression. Because we can do this. We can stop this, this draconian shit right in its tracks If we do it together, if we get enough people together to put the fear of God into these politicians that think that they're the fucking ones running the show, that that changes real quick once once the mob is banging on their door. And regardless of what they say publicly, you know, they could take a stance as soon as that mob is marching on their house, down their street, whatever, they're going to change their their view on that real quick. Let's take a quick second and thank our other sponsor for today's show, and that is our friends over at Lorenzotti Italy. Guys, they've been our longest and most supportive sponsor. They were the first ones to hop on board the peddling fiction train. So if you haven't bought some coffee from them yet, how dare you? They have premium Italian coffee that they will send right to your door. These are two liberty-minded entrepreneurs that came together over their love of coffee and liberty and their inability to find that Italian coffee house feel on this side of the pond. So they set out on a mission. They supply coffee and coffee brewing supplies to small businesses that want to start up their own little coffee shop to give you that sort of European type feel. But they'll also just send you delicious premium Italian coffee right to your door so that you can get your morning started right with the taste of freedom. So what I want you to do is go to Lorenzotti.coffee. That's L O R E is in Edward, N is in Nancy, Z is in Zebra, O T T I dot coffee. Use my promo code fiction so they know I sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your order. So go do that right now. 
Lorenzotti.coffee, promo code fiction. Support our sponsors who make this show possible, who are also fans of the show and fans of liberty, fellow libertarians. It's a win, win, win situation. Go to Lorenzotti.coffee, promo code fiction for 10% off so we can keep the lights on around here. All right, let's get back into the show. Now, we should have done this a year ago when they came out with this whole two-week-to-flatten-the-curve thing. We should have known better. We should have known that this would just be the beginning, the camel's nose under the tent for more and more draconian measures shoved down our throat until we put our fucking foot down, draw the line in the sand and say, no, no more, no farther. We are not going to fucking take this anymore. Because that's how government operates, right? They, they just do this little thing, right? Okay, yeah, we just need two weeks to flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. And then the goalposts keep moving. Okay, we need another two weeks. And now we need to get the cases under control and, you know, the, the, the death toll and, uh, and all this stuff. You know, they just keep changing the fucking story and moving the goalpost. They do that with everything. The only way that they can get us to go along with all of this nonsense is to do that sort of slow boil of the frog. They put you into the lukewarm water and they gradually turn up the temperature. It's so gradual that you can barely feel it. And before you know it, you're being cooked alive. That's how they operate with everything. They would have never been able to fucking get these lockdowns passed that they said, okay, we're going to lock down for two years. You won't be able to open your business or see your family members or anything like that. Uh, if they came right out and said that, they would have gotten Angela Merkel like she just did. But that's not what they do. They, they come out and they say, hey, you know, just, uh, just take it easy for a couple weeks here, okay? Just give us two weeks and then we'll be back to normal. And then they just drag that out. They do the same thing with everything. That every time they try to pass a new law or like the income tax is a great example. You know, I've talked about this ad nauseum on this show. So go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't already. But the, the income tax was, I mean, how did they get that passed? I mean, who likes the fucking income tax? Who likes to pay taxes? Absolutely nobody. So why do we have a fucking income tax that hits everybody, every fucking man, woman, and, uh, working body in the uh in the country from the, the the second you fucking turn 15 or whatever age they, they allow you to work in your state why are you given a number like at birth so that they can essentially ring you like a bar rag and shake every fucking nickel out of your pockets from the day you're fucking born until the day you die and even after you die they'll take half of your shit what how did they get away with all that well it's simple they pitched the initial income tax as a tax the rich. Yeah, you don't don't worry. All, all you guys that are are paying um, all these poor people, you guys are paying tariffs on all of these imported goods. That's how we funded the government back then, and it was much smaller. And so we didn't need you know five trillion dollars to fund our government. You could do it from fucking import taxes. And they said, hey, you poor people shouldn't have to pay these these taxes on imports and all, all these tariffs and everything. Let's get rid of that, okay? And we'll just come up with this income tax, and we'll tax 1% from the top 1%, you know, the millionaires and billionaires, you know, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, all those guys. They'll pay 1%, and you, all you, the rest of you Americans, you'll get a tax cut. Doesn't that sound nice? Oh, sure. 
it sounds nice until, you know, fast forward a couple years and they got to fucking, you know, fund World War One and then World War Two. And that's really when the fucking income tax goes bonkers and starts hitting everybody, you know, goes up to 20, 30 percent. And the, the threshold for income goes way down. You see, they never would have gotten it to pass if they had said, oh, well, you know, let's let's get this income tax. Everybody will pay it, even the poorest among us. And, you know, it'll start at, you know, 20 percent of your income and could go as high as 50 percent. Nobody's going to fucking go for that. It's always when they're going to do it to somebody else. But see, that's the, the hard part is getting it passed, right? They had to actually back then when they had a modicum of respect for the Constitution, they actually had to amend the Constitution in order to get the income tax legally in there, right? But once they do that, changing the fucking rate, changing who's uh, eligible for it, right? The, the income thresholds or whatever, that's easy. Then they just fucking get together and decide. 39%, 37%, 50%, like whatever, 400,000, 200,000. Um, they, they can just they can debate that shit all day long and come come up with an arbitrary line and keep moving it. The hardest part was getting it passed in the first place. And we should know that it's the camel's nose under the tent. They're going to find a way to get it to to make it sound like it's nothing that you're ever going to have to worry about so that they can get the authority to do it. And if we allow them to take that power, we're never going to get the freedom back. And before you know it, a couple years down the road, it, it's not going to take long before that um, that tax or that fucking rule that wasn't supposed to apply to you is going to be shoved right up your ass. And what's and you know what's her face? Uh, Pocahontas has been making the rounds with her wealth tax. She's got a new bill to. Um, convert the tax code into like a a wealth tax, right? And I've talked about the idiocy of this fucking wealth tax before many times in the past. So I I don't have to rehatch all of that. But the way she's pitching it, oh, you know, it's it's just a wealth tax. It's just two cents on people with over $50 million in investable assets. So anything over 50 million, we're going to fucking put a two cent tax on that okay now i don't have 50 million dollars i've got nowhere near 50 million dollars this isn't going to affect me right so what do i care yeah go go get those really wealthy people that have you know gotten rich off the backs of poor people and have stolen everything from the american people and go make them pay their fair share so that we can have more government programs to help the poor now if you believe that uh, you have no concept of history, no understanding of government and how they operate. If you think that it's always going to be $50 million and above, and it's only going to be two cents, which is really a two fucking percent. Like she's, she's playing on Americans being so goddamn stupid that they don't understand that two cents out of every dollar is 2%. That's probably going to work, unfortunately. You know, we get the government we deserve. But if you really think that it, they're not going to, as soon as they get this wealth tax passed, if they do, right, which is 100% completely unconstitutional. There is no goddamn way that they could fucking do this under the Constitution. 
and they should have to amend the Constitution, but of course they won't. They'll read into some fucking clause, you know, the general welfare clause or the uh, necessary and proper clause. You know, I've gone over some of these and how they've perverted the meaning of these, you know, the uh, the uh, commerce clause or something like that. They'll find, they'll, they'll read into it some sort of justification, right? They'll interpret the Constitution to give them the authority to fucking tax people's wealth, their possessions. Like, we're talking about artwork, houses... Not just like stocks and bonds and stuff like that, like cars, like you're going to be fucking audited every year or something like that, every other year, and they're going to appraise all of your fucking assets, and they're going to make you, they're going to tax you on them. That, that's the plan here. The plan would cost an additional, an additional hundred billion dollar increase in funding for the fucking IRS over the next 10 years. So another 10 billion a year. And their budget is already about $12 billion a year for the fucking IRS. <laughs> like, think about that. $12 billion a year we pay these fucking bureaucrats to give us the uh, financial equivalent of a colonoscopy. What are we doing here? What are we thinking? Well, you see, we weren't thinking. We were, we were being greedy. We were thinking, okay, we'll let, the, we'll let the wealthy pay their fair share. It's not fair that they have all this money. That's not fair. You know, we were envious. They have so much. We have so little. Go tax them. Go get 2% of their assets over $50 million. And it, oh, it's a 1% surtax on net worths over a billion dollars. They can afford it. They're billionaires. And what's going to happen when all the millionaires and billionaires fucking leave and get out of this country? Oh, she's got a plan for that too. You know, you know the, uh, the old argument that's... Uh, one of the worst fucking, I don't even know if you could call it an argument, that libertarians face all the time is this, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. Go move to Somalia. You know, all that stupid shit. Oh, you can leave, huh? I can just leave. I can just pick up and leave. I can take my, my $100 million and leave. Ah, Elizabeth Warren's got, uh, got other ideas. You know, see, she believes, and a lot of these politicians believe, that they own you. They own 100% of you, and everything that they, everything you make belongs to the state, and whatever they allow you to keep is just that. They allowed you to fucking keep it, so be grateful for what they let you keep. You see, when we sacrifice the principle of the income tax, the idea that we owe the state a portion of our income, a portion of our lives, we sacrifice the principle that we own ourselves that we are free individuals, that we're not slaves to the government. You know, it's only, if you're paying 40% in taxes right now, it's only 40% because that's what Congress decided. That's what the Elizabeth Warrens of the world decided, 40%. If it was 30%, then it'd be 30%. And if they want to take 100%, they could fucking do that too. Because we sacrifice the principle on the altar of envy and greed for rich people. See, Elizabeth Warren has what she's calling a captivity tax. If you don't want to be subject to this wealth tax year after year being fucking audited and having to liquidate all of your assets to pay these confiscatory taxes and you want to leave the country, Elizabeth Warren wants to hit you with a 40% tax of your net worth above $50 million. So if you want to renounce your citizenship and get off this sinking ship that is the United States... And you have, say, $500 million worth of 
assets, you'd have to give Elizabeth Warren 180 million as your price of freedom. 180 million dollars. Oh, you can leave. Yeah, just leave, huh? Okay. <laughs> but first, we're gonna take 40 percent of your shit. Get fuck out of here. And if you think this is just going to be on the millionaires and billionaires, you got another thing coming. What's going to happen when this just turns into a complete disaster? Because other countries have tried this. France lost 12,000 millionaires a year when they put in a fucking wealth tax. And then they had to reverse course with tax cuts to try to lure back the wealthy people. You ever got a job from a poor person? You ever gotten anything from a poor person? Probably not. All right, now we vilify rich people left and right. You know, because that's what politicians do. There aren't as many rich people as there are fucking peasants, right? So you pander to the peasants and you vilify the rich while you take all of their fucking campaign donations and cut them all sorts of favors and, and you know, things like that. But what's going to happen when all of these, these rich people just cut bait and get the fuck out of here? I mean, it's easier than ever to do that. You can operate your businesses in other countries. A lot of countries would be happy to have your fucking millions of dollars there and all your investable assets. Italy talks of, you know, uh, was it two years ago? Italy came up with this thing where they put a cap on the amount of taxes that you would pay. It's like 120,000 euros a year or something. Like, no matter how much money, you could have fucking $20 billion dollars. But if you move to Italy and you start a business there and you buy property, you will never have to pay more than 120,000 euros in taxes. Now, that's a pretty good fucking deal if you're a billionaire. What happened to Venezuela when all the rich people left, left that sinking ship? You know, you're left with a political class of connected fucking fat cats and everybody else rummaging through the fucking trash waiting in lines, you know, basically bread lines, except they don't have any bread. You'll be lucky to get some flour. Maybe you can make some bread someday. This would be an unmitigated disaster, and it will not take them long to drop that threshold of 50 million down to 20 million, and then down to 10, then down to a million, maybe even 500,000. I don't know how quickly they can do that, or how quickly they'll need to with all the inflation that's coming down the pike. I mean... You know, teachers in Zimbabwe made millions of dollars a year. You know, it's just you couldn't buy anything for a million dollars. A cup of coffee costs more than that. So they might not even have to drop this $50 million thing down that far if they just keep destroying the dollar, which they seem hell-bent on doing. We have to learn our lessons of history. We cannot let them get that camel's nose under the tent again because this is the tip of the iceberg here. And again, just like with the, the Easter... Sunday lockdowns or the lockdowns in general, we have to resist this in unison. It doesn't have to be a violent thing. We don't need to take up arms or anything like that. We just have to say no and go about living our lives. I mean, what would happen to the income tax if 250 million people just didn't pay it? Well, the, you know, we'd, uh, that would be it for the income tax. We would have effectively abolished it, right? Because they can't fucking do anything if it's everybody doing it. The fact of the matter is, uh, this, whole th- this whole tax system is pointless. What the hell is with all these fucking pop-ups now about consenting to cookies or whatever the fuck they're doing every time I pull up a website? Is that just happening to me? Or is that happening to everybody? It's driving me fucking crazy. Every time I pull up a fucking article it's like this thing that pops up like, hey, hey, cookies consent go fuck yourself how about that 
Sorry. <laughs> I'm in kind of a mood today. Um, and the fact of the matter is, we don't have to fucking tax anybody. I mean, I've talked about it before on the show, but what did we spend last year? $8 trillion? I mean, they only admit to about 6 but if you look at what the, you know... Uh, what they've actually spent, it's about $8 trillion, okay? We took about $3.5 trillion in taxes. So taxes aren't coming close to covering the cost of government at this point. Uh, we, we've been way out of whack. We've been running trillion-dollar deficits since fucking Barack Obama. So, I mean, like, we're, we're, print, we're already printing, what, $4.5 trillion to fucking $4 trillion, $3.5 trillion, whatever it is, to make up the fucking difference between what we're taking in in taxes and what the government is spending? Why don't we just fucking print all of it? Why tax us at all? Why have this withholding? Why have the fucking IRS costing us $12 billion a year? Why not just print the money? Just print whatever the government needs or whatever they say they need. <laughs> uh, really, they need fucking nothing, but... You know, if they, they want to spend $8 trillion, they're going to fucking print it anyway. Why, why do I have to fucking pay these taxes and go like, every fucking April 15th? I got to, you know, confess everything that I've earned and, and go through hours and hours of fucking really boring tax documents and shit like that. Why? They're just going to print the fucking difference. Print it all. At least then I get to keep all of my fucking money and I can try to invest it in things to, you know, uh, shield myself from the coming tidal wave of inflation. You know, they talk about the wealth inequality gap and all this shit. You know, poor people can't get ahead. Maybe if you stop taking 30% of their fucking money off the top, maybe they could get ahead. How about that? This whole thing is just bullshit. Abolish the income tax, abolish the IRS, and just run the fucking printing press. Go ahead. See how far it gets you. Let us keep everything that we fucking earn, because after all, we're supposed to be free people. And when government inevitably goes overboard and destroys the value of the dollar, at least we would have had a chance to keep uh, the, the money that we've earned and get it out of the way of, uh, you know, the destruction of the dollar that is imminent. But no, 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 that's not what we're going to do, is it? That would make too much sense. That, that would give the illusion that government is irresponsible and that they, they actually have to pay for some of the stuff that they're doing with tax dollars. You see, Joe Biden is now, um, is now eyeing the biggest federal tax hike since 1993 to fund infrastructure and climate initiatives. See, now that they got the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill out of the way, you know, of which most of it didn't go to the people, of course, it, the bulk of it seem to go to bail out all of these democratically run bankrupt states, which is exactly what we were talking about a year or so ago on this show. All the moral hazard around that and what they were trying to do. And sure enough, they they uh, they got that passed and the, the states are going to get relief money now. You may be fucked, you know. Well you got you got your fourteen hundred bucks if you're if you're lucky enough, you know. Um, to, to not make too much money. You got you got 1400 You know, okay. And now what they're going to do is they're going to keep coming up with these smaller bills, you know, these $2 trillion here, $2 trillion there, because, you know, the, 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 the odds of them passing a $8 trillion climate change initiative infrastructure plan is, is going to be, that's going to be tough to swallow. But if they break it up into smaller chunks, and uh, you know, what's another $1.85 to finance another round of stimulus checks? 
or, uh, you know, to build the roads and the bridges and to uh, combat climate change, you know, to make the planet habitable for our children and our grandchildren. But from the Bloomberg article I have here, unlike the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus act, the next initiative, which is expected to be even bigger, won't rely on government debt as a funding source. Why not? Why not? As I said before, why not just fucking use government debt? I don't understand. While it's been increasingly clear that tax hikes will be a component, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has said at least part of the next bill will have to be paid for and pointed to higher rates. Key advisors are now taking preparations for a package of measures, with each tax break and credit having its own lobbying constituency to back it. Tinkering with the rates is fraught with political risk. That helps explain why Bill Clinton's signature 1993 overhaul stands out from the modest modifications done since. With all the the talk about federal wealth tax, thanks Elizabeth Warren, progressives in certain parts of the country are already pushing for state wealth taxes in places like New York. The notion that taxes will move higher under Biden is hardly a surprise. According to Bloomberg, the tax hikes would likely take effect next year, despite modest support for delaying them further among some Democrats. An independent analysis of the Biden campaign tax plan published by the Tax Policy Center and cited by Bloomberg estimates that the new revenue streams would raise $2.1 trillion over a decade. Who cares? That, 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 you know, our government is so fucking out of control. Two trillion over 10 years is nothing. If we're on the, the current trajectory right now, even if they froze spending at last year's level, they're going to spend $80 trillion over 10 years. So what's this two trillion shit? Taking in three and a half trillion in taxes, what's the point? Adding another two trillion over 10 years? The fuck cares? That is chump change. They are spending so much fucking money. There's no way you could tax uh, the American people to pay for all of this. We're tapped out. The overall program has yet to be unveiled, but analysts are penciling in between two to four trillion. Oh, just another fucking three. Call it three. Okay, another three trillion. And for what? Roads and bridges. <laughs> okay, they're gonna raise the corporate tax rate from to 28% from 21. That'll help, you know, businesses. They're going to pare back tax preferences for limited liability companies or partnerships, you know, pass through businesses, raising the income tax on individuals earning more than 400,000. Again, you know, there you go. Most people don't earn more than 400,000. Why did they pick that number? My guess would be that you know, the 1%, if you're in the 1% in the country, I think, I don't even think you have to earn 400,000. I think it's less than that. Obviously, it varies by state, but overall, you know, the average, 400,000 puts you into the 1%. Higher capital gains rate for individuals earning at least a million annual. Again, a million, you know, the, these rates, these rates and these um, income tax brackets, they are very easily moved. And pretty soon, you know, it, it, it's a, you know, it's like a downward spiral, right? They go after the super rich and the super rich leave. Then they go after the people that were a little less rich than them. And then they leave. And, uh, you know, they um, they keep increasing the rate on the rich and the, the rich keep leaving. And so their budget deficits, their their gaps in their spending bills and everything like that, they keep getting bigger. And so they have to increase the rate and they have to lower the, the threshold for it to be applied to you and go after the next, 
you know, less rich people, right? The people making uh, uh, 400,000. And then once those people pick up and leave, that's 300,000, that's 250,000, and so on and so forth until it gets everybody. And only the, the poorest, most pathetic among us, the ones who can least afford these tax increases, the ones who, who are not in a position to pick up and leave, they're the ones left holding the bag. The very people that the government purported to help by raising all of these taxes. I mean, how many times do we have to see this play out before we figure this out? God, people are just unbelievably dense. Man, you know, envy. Envy and greed are, are some really powerful fucking manipulators. But yeah, this is his, you know, $3 trillion plan to build back better, right? That fucking horrible slogan. We're going to build back better. Goldman is estimating the cost at, at $4 trillion. I, I'm got, you know, whatever they say, it'll be on the higher end of things. They, they, they never come in under budget. They're the fucking government. But yeah, state and fiscal aid, $350, $350 billion, $170 billion for education grants, public health, $125, stimulus checks and child tax credits, $520, unemployment insurance, $246, rental, uh, homeowners assistance, $42, child care, $48. Yeah, let's let the government take care of our children. They're doing such a good job of everything else. Health insurance, $103 billion. The list goes on and on. And, you know, this is the, the legislation that they're going to be using. They're going to try to use money to and, uh, you know, policy, climate change, infrastructure, all this stuff to sort of push their uh, left wing agenda and sort of solve all of these perceived problems that they have in the United States. You know, they're going to close the, the gender wage gap and the wealth gap and all this stuff that they've been talking about doing, all these problems that they've been harping on since before Barack Obama and all of them have magically gotten worse the more the government has intervened. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't that give you pause and think about maybe um, maybe this isn't the solution here? You know, um, the wealth gap has done nothing but increase exponentially the more the Federal Reserve creates money out of thin air. Imagine that. The more money the government spends, the bigger the wealth gap. Huh. If only somebody had listened to this podcast, I explained how that happens and why it will continue to happen. It's just like anything else. Anytime the government sets out to do something, they achieve the exact opposite. You, know, you want to get more uh, women in the workforce? Okay, you'll get less by passing a bunch of legislation. You want to close the wealth gap? It's going to widen. Guaranteed. Um, the Build Back Better plan, right? Oh, speaking of housing assistance, you know, I, I, I saw an article from... Uh, Coming out of my old stomping grounds, Evanston, Illinois, I grew up sort of on the border of Evanston and Wilmette, which are just, um, Evanston's a city right next to Chicago, just north of Chicago, and uh, Wilmette is the is the suburb right that borders Evanston. Evanston, real quick, I think we got a little time to go over this. I'm a little late, so maybe I'll go longer today. Evanston has taken the first tangible step by becoming the first city to pay reparations to black people. Yes, you you heard that correctly. They are paying reparations to black residents to financially compensate them for uh, all the wealth inequality gaps that they've experienced because of historical racism and discrimination in housing, according to NBC. The Chicago suburb city council voted 8-1 to one on Monday to distribute $400,000 to eligible black households each qualifying family would receive up to 25 ger 
for homeownership and or improvement grants, as well as mortgage assistance. Now, first of all, it's interesting that they're not just giving them the cash, right? It's like, okay, we, we want to blow up this housing bubble a little, a little further. But we already have these mortgage assistance programs all over the, the country, all over Illinois, in Evanston. I know for a fact that these exist. There, there's, there's forgivable grants. There's, I just saw uh, on the news the other day, they come out with this new plan. It's called the uh, Smart Buy, I think, something like that, where they'll basically pay off like up to $50,000 of your student loans if you buy a house in Illinois, something like that. And that's got people going fucking crazy thinking about trying to move into fucking Illinois. And man, would that be a mistake? You should be moving out. The the smart money is getting out. But if they're going to start forgiving student loan debt, paying off student loan debt when you buy a house. But anyway, th- these these programs all exist already. But the housing money is part of a much greater reparations initiative by the city to distribute $10 million over 10 years to qualifying households. The funds would be derived from annual marijuana taxes over the next decade. About 16% of the 75,000 residents who live in Evanston are black. Qualifying residents must prove their direct descendants of a black person who lived in the town between 1919 to 1969. During that period, black folks experienced housing discrimination due to city ordinances, ordinances, policies, or practices. <laughs> I think it's funny that they're paying, they're allegedly paying for it with uh, marijuana taxes. First of all, I, I bet you a lot of the people paying those taxes are going to be black. At least sixteen percent of them, on average, right? So they're they're really funding a lot of their own, um, a lot of their own so-called reparations. But I, I, this is just fraught with with I, uh, this is such a bad idea. I mean, giving people money to overpay for fucking houses, um, houses they can't afford. That it's just such a bad. Like we've been down this road before. I I really liked you know when I heard. Um, I don't listen to a lot of Hotep Jesus, but you know when he was doing the, the sort of crossover episodes with with Dave, when he talked about giving uh, black people reparations in uh, in the form of tax exemption, like they don't have to pay the income tax anymore. I, that's an idea I could get behind, uh, kind of. I mean, to the extent that we have reparations. See, the problem with reparations, aside from just how unworkable it is, is the fact that it's the government that has been fucking, that has done the most damage to the black community in the name of helping them, of course. And, you know, I've gone over that before on the show as well. But the problem is the government doesn't have anything, right? They have to first take it. They have to take from productive people so that they can give to others, right? And in order for them to make good on their, according to Evanston, right, their city ordinances, their policies and practices that hurt black people from 1919 to 1969, well, we have to pay that price. I, You know, as far as I know, I have not oppressed anyone, okay? Um, and I, I don't live in Evanston, thank God. But um, I know people who do. I have a lot of friends there. Uh, you can't obviously you can't say anything, right? You can't be against these reparations, otherwise you're racist. But see, the problem is the government. It's the problem, you know, when you sue the police department or the state. You know, the the state wrongs you, and innocent citizens, innocent taxpayers, end up footing the bill. How is that fair? I mean, like, how is anybody living in 2021 responsible for? you know, what, what people did hundreds of years ago. 
And all, all I got to say to the uh, the black residents of Evanston, be careful what you wish for. You know, it, it might seem like a really good idea to get some some free money to get into a house. But this is this is just going to push up housing prices even for further than they have under these artificially low interest rates. You're going to be overpaying probably by a lot more than twenty five thousand dollars, if you ask me, for whatever house you're going to get. And who knows what, what happens when this whole fucking house of cards comes tumbling down house could be worth half of what you paid for it maybe even less and then you're gonna be you know you're gonna get hit with um you know if you're anything like me your water heater breaks and your uh, ac breaks then your furnace breaks that's you know that's about 10 grand right there um then maybe you get hit with a special assessment for 36 gur you know this idea that housing is your key to to wealth and prosperity like all you have to do is own a home it's such bullshit, dude. Homes are fucking money pits. If it's an investment property, maybe. Now, I don't know. I bet you there's there's some sort of clause in here that it has to be, you have to be like a first-time home buyer or something. Like, I don't think you could use it for an investment property, but I don't know the details of it. I would assume that they'd put that in there a lot of times. They do do that with these sorts of uh, grants and programs. But if you, you have an investment property and you have more money, your your cash flow works so that you have m- more money coming in than going out. Okay, then uh, then you own a, an asset there. But just having a house and living in it and expecting the value to increase exponentially every year, why? I mean, every year that house gets older, right? This is just a fallacy that home ownership is your key to prosperity. It's not. But anyway, I'm all for giving black people tax-exempt status because, after all, taxation is theft. So yeah, let's give them reparations. Just... Uh, uh, abolish the uh, the income tax from uh, for black people. Let's, let's at least start there. Uh, I'm fine with that. If that gets um, you know 16 percent of uh, Americans or whatever it is uh, uh, from being robbed blind by the government, at least we're 16 percent closer to the society that I would like to be a part of. And like I said, they could do that. For, there's there's no reason to tax anybody at this point. We can just run the printing press. So why not? Why not do that? We'll start with black people, and then eventually, just like everything, white people will get it too, <laughs> and um, and we'll go from there. Anyway, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just rambling right now, so let's let's go ahead and wrap up there. Let's see, is there anything else I really need to talk about? Oh, I do have this article about the United States Postal Service, my favorite service of the government, unveiling a 10-year sustainability plan for higher prices and uh, slower service. <laughs> That's a little editorializing there in the uh, the title, but yeah, maybe maybe I'll save this for like fri- a little Friday fun day activity where I can rip on the fucking postal service because I still have, you know, three and a half bookshelves sitting in my second bedroom back in Chicago. I was uh, rudely reminded of that the last time I set foot in there, how much shit I'd have, uh, I have accumulated thanks to the ineptitude of the USPS. But yeah, we'll, we'll save that for later in the week. Maybe I'll uh, rant about them for a little bit and talk about how we don't need a fucking postal service at all. And yeah, we'll wrap there. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, guys, at Pedal Fiction. Come on now. There's still a lot of you guys that haven't done it. I know you got Twitter accounts, even if you don't. Set one up. It takes like five seconds to just give me a follow. I don't care. Do that. Uh, join our private Facebook group. That's the other way that you can get 
your um, your invitation to a happy hour is by being one of the top 10 most active people in our private Facebook group. So go into Facebook, search for the Peddling Fiction podcast page or whatever. There's a private page and a public page. The private one, you have to answer three questions to get in. We'll let you in, and then you can start uh, joining the little community that we have on there. And if you're super active, I'll uh, I'll invite you to have a drink with me next Friday. Is it next Friday? I think it is, yeah, because that's the first. Yeah, uh, it's the second, so yeah. Um... Yeah, so do that. Join the private Facebook group. Follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Friday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.